1208. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, Eric Bilstead, I'll put you down as a no for Saturday night at the Stormy Daniels event. Boy, the the characters that'll be there that night. Can you imagine? Oh, yeah. Can Can you imagine? Yeah, it's <laughs> no. uh, ten o'clock and one. I actually, I'm I'm legitimately surprised that they're not. You would think you could charge more. I mean, it's it's like fifteen dollars in advance, to like twenty five dollars at the door, and then. You know, then they've got the special VIP things, but for for, for you know, for, thanks for the research. You well, did well, it, well, actually, it was your former partner John McCure that we, we were we got got me started on this whole thing, and then I'm up on the website. Oh, okay, sure, so yeah, it's yeah. um, yeah, that it will be an interesting group of people outside at uh, Silk Exotic. I know. I'm looking forward to the coverage. I'm sure there will be some media out there following along. I, well, I mean, I, you'd love to see the type of people that are showing up out there. I mean, that that's with their fifteen dollars in their hand and stuff like that. Group. You're going to make the show? No, you're 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 going to miss it too. Yeah, like that I would say, be well, a memorable bachelor party. Imagine if you had a bachelor party that night and yeah, Stormy Daniels was there. Think of that. Okay, I was going to say something, but it's just going to get me in trouble. I'm I'm just going to let that whole thing go. No, I will not be there. No, there won't be a WTMJ table, at least as far as I know. Maybe, maybe there will be. I just didn't get invited to it. You know, it's you know who who knows? Maybe, maybe there's one of those groups. I don't think so um, exactly. But if you're like desperate for something to do, I guess on Saturday night at ten o'clock and at one o'clock, and I mean desperate with a capital D, you know where you can go. And again, if you've got three hundred sixty bucks burning a hole in your pocket, <clears throat> you really know where you can go. We start off today's show like we start off every show. Three big things. Uh, yesterday afternoon, the, the this this case started to crystallize. I, I mentioned it the other day. It is one that's just absolutely haunting and it and it should be haunting if you will recall there was a situation the other day where the Wauwatosa police made what we would consider to be a routine traffic stop this was on on Friday afternoon what happened is an, an officer watches a, a car accelerate in the parking lane as he passes the officer's squad car Okay, so you have some idiot who's driving, he's driving a black Audi. He passes the officer in the parking lane. All right? So um, the Audi, according to the officer, accelerates significantly and then swerves to the left to avoid parked cars. The officer says, okay, what's going on here? So they put on the bubble lights. They pull over the vehicle. Um, A car driven by a punk named Mercedes Craig's. Pulls over, this is around 90th and North Avenue, if you can kind of picture that area. So, car pulls over, officer gets out of the car and and goes up. And this is why, again, no traffic stop is ever really routine. Because if you're a police officer, you don't know what you're dealing with. All you know is you've got somebody that's driving like an idiot. You pull the car over, it stops. As the officer approaches the Audi, uh, the criminal complaint says... The car accelerates and flees eastbound on West North Avenue. It also says the officer noticed the smell of marijuana coming from the car. So what I assume happened is the officer gets up to the window and smells pot, and then the driver takes off at a high rate of speed. The officer gets back into his squad car and watches the Audi that's driving away blow through a red light. At which point in time, the, the police officer says, I'm not going to follow him. He's already got a head start on me. This guy's driving like a maniac. I'm not going to chase him. All right? They make that decision, which I think it, it's, it's a tragic decision, but it's certainly appropriate. A couple minutes later, 
the officer is, is heading down North Avenue. So he's driving in the direction, but he's not chasing the car. They get to the intersection around 82nd and North, and the Wauwatosa police officer notices there had been a multi-vehicle wreck, which involved the Audi that fled from the stop and two other vehicles. The guy who was in the car, Mercedes Craig's, lying in the street in front of the Audi, he's yelling he was in pain and he needed help. Aw, oh, isn't that too bad? The thug that pulls away and causes the accident by running through a red light, he's in pain and he needs help. Um, there was an 85-year-old woman who was in a red minivan that had been coming the other way. Apparently, what happened is uh, this Craig's character, fleeing from the police, blow, he crosses the center line and smashes pretty much head-on into this minivan, which was coming the other way. Uh, the, the woman who was killed, and she was killed in connection this, with this, was an, an 85-year-old woman. Um, and there's a very nice story. She was a former Milwaukee public school teacher. Um, she died as a result of what happened here. And, you know, it's just a horrible story. And so now you've got the guy who was hurt and he was asking for help. You know, he's been taken into custody. Now, it's really interesting because 23 years old, his name is Mercedes Craigs. Um, I pulled up his, his criminal record. And interestingly enough, he was, let me see, he was scheduled to appear um, July 19th. So he's scheduled to appear like next month in the Milwaukee County Courthouse. The way I read this, to um, he was scheduled to enter a plea of some sort to his pending charges of use of a dangerous weapon slash disorderly conduct. So he was out on some form of, of bail. It also turns out, no surprise here, that he did not have a valid driver's license. Matter of fact, Fox 6 is reporting that not only did he not have a valid driver's license, he's never been issued a Wisconsin driver's license. I don't know where the black Audi came from. I don't know if it was stolen or anything like that. But the guy who is driving it, driving down through parking lanes, pulling in front of police officers, taking off after he gets pulled over, never had a Wisconsin driver's license. And now an 85-year-old woman is dead because of this guy's conduct. Now, hopefully, you know, he won't be out on the street again. And, and there's a lot of different aspects of the story. The other day we talked about the whole thing about, you know, this is why I think that the police have to chase from time to time. But you know what? The least surprising part of this story is that this character did not have a Wisconsin driver's license. If you talk to police on a regular basis, you will find one of their greatest frustrations, besides the fact that people flee on a regular basis now from them, is that when they do catch the people who are running from them, they either their driver's license has never been issued, like in this case they never had one, or the driver's license has been suspended, or the driver's license has been revoked. And yet they continue to drive over and over again. Again, I don't know where this car, this guy came. I don't know where he got the car. Don't know if it was a stolen car. Don't know if it was a borrowed car. Don't know if he purchased the car himself. Although every time I purchased a car, one of the first things they ask you for is your driver's license. So don't know how he came to own this. 
But I do know that this is a recurring problem. People driving without licenses, without valid licenses, either licenses that have never been issued before at all or licenses that are revoked or suspended. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, look, I understand that there's a lot of things going on here. You've got the guy that fled from the police and crossed the center line and all that sort of stuff. But but this this starts with somebody behind the wheel of a car who shouldn't have been behind the wheel of a car. A driver's license is not a suggestion. A driver's license is not a recommendation. A driver's license for most people should be a requirement. And then, of course, you know, you have to have proof of insurance and all those types of things as well. So here you have a woman dead as a result of a series of bad decisions and bad conduct. But but it starts, again, with somebody who shouldn't be behind the wheel of a car. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The penalties for driving without a license or driving with a revoked license or without a, with a suspended license are a joke. Now, in this particular case, it's going to be a big deal because he hit and killed somebody, but it's not the driving really without a license. It's the hitting and killing somebody. I think we need to start earlier, and that is why I am a serious advocate. If you are driving without a driver's license, I think we start with the premise that your car should be taken from you. Forget fining somebody. That doesn't work. It just doesn't. They get back. They get behind the wheel of the car. They keep doing it. If you want to deter this behavior and punish the behavior, you take the car from the person who's doing it, and you let the message go out. If you're going to drive without a license, the car is going to be suspended. And if there's some innocent owner that's out there and wants to say, gee, I, I lent my car to my you know no-account friend, I had no idea he had he didn't have a valid driver's license. Well, then I think the burden is on you to have to come in and prove that. It might make people more reluctant to, again, give their cars to their no-account friends. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's start taking the cars and get people's attention. Maybe it will make it a little bit safer on the roads. For all the rest of us, we discuss next. It's 1218. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1222, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Let's start with Ian in Kenosha. Ian, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello, uh, Jeff. Uh, I think that uh, that woman, uh, I mean, no, that man, that killed that woman, should, shouldn't have been driving. You know, mm-hmm. but, uh, it's, it's against the law to have, uh, to not to have a license. Right. Uh, I think uh, I think he uh, I don't know what he was uh, how he got the car so I'm assuming he borrowed it or stole it or uh, borrowed it or right whatever yep yep but I guess I mean no thanks I mean but see here here's the the thing that regardless of how he got it this happens on a regular basis not the fact that the person decides to flee now i don't know why the guy decided to run my guess is it seems like he's smoking marijuana he's driving in an erratic fashion he's out on bail for another crime and my guess is he decides hey you know this isn't going to go very well you know when i'm out you know on bail i'm going to get pulled over so i'm going to run and now somebody's dead i don't know where the car came from but this happens on a regular basis simply giving him a ticket for 
driving without a license or driving on a revoked license or whatever, that doesn't stop people from doing it, which is why I think you need to start ratcheting up the uh, penalties. I have a text here. Take the car and da- take the car and damages must be paid before the car is released. Judges are slowly getting tougher punishing these low lives. Um, hopefully a judge in this case steps up. Well, yeah, the, but the problem is you can say damages that are paid. My guess is he doesn't have a license. He's never had a license, so there's no insurance. He probably doesn't have a pot to you know what in. So this is a situation where you can say, all right, here, here's what your damages are, plus somebody's dead. I mean, but even if somebody wasn't dead, let's say it's, you know, $50,000 or $100,000 in damages, he doesn't have any money to pay. I mean, it's completely useless. You are victimizing the victim. Roger in Green Bay. Roger, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello, sir. Uh, second offense or subsequent for driving without a license is considered to be a criminal offense. Judges have the power to throw people in jail for that, and it can be a substantial amount of time. I, I say substantial because I don't know about you, but I think of six months or a year in jail as substantial. What we see over and over again when you're sitting in the courtroom and you're watching these cases come up is these people get opportunity after opportunity to go out and get their license, and then whether they do or not, they get a $100 fine, which they, they're, frankly, I mean, who knows if they're going to pay it. Right. So what we need to do is, and I've thought about this a lot, and not that it's going to make any difference as to my opinion, but what, what I think our legislators need to do is, is to make a mandatory minimum sentence of whatever, 30 mm-hmm. days or 60 days in jail, and that's going to make a difference. And by the way, one more, one more thing about this. What really irks me is when I see people that are clearly illegal aliens who are, don't have a license and they get busted for driving without a license and then they get a slap on the wrist of a $100 fine. That they're not going to pay. Right. Yeah. Right. No, no, thanks. I mean, I, I, I get it. And I mean, it's if you wanted to attach some form of mandatory jail sentence to these multiple things. That that I, I guess I don't have a problem with that. I just don't think that that's necessarily going to be the answer that's, that's going to stop people from, from doing this because it's something that happens on a regular basis. That's why I think the only way that you're effectively going to do it is you just you end up taking the cars. Now, I, I get it. People don't like to hear that because, well, somebody somebody needs to drive. They need to get to work on doing these things. Well, OK, you should think about that then before you create all the various violations that you end up doing. Or in a case like this, this isn't even a situation where the guy lost his license. This is somebody who's never had a driver's license in the first place and doesn't just doesn't give a rip about doing it. Sue in Waukesha. Sue, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Sue. I honestly don't think taking the car away is going to be an answer because most of these people that do this don't really give a rip. They'll just go steal somebody else's. And we have enough trouble with Stolies in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. They don't care. They don't care. They don't don't believe they need a license to begin with. I'll just take somebody else's car. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, in I that think ca- we need we, we need to impose much heavier penalties. I don't think even three or six months in jail is enough. I think they need to be put away for a year. Let them feel the pain. Well, I, I and I will so see you're, you're preaching to the choir on this one too, because I mean, when it comes to car theft in in certain parts of this community, including the city of Milwaukee, is viewed as a joke. 
Matter of fact, I've got a story we're going to talk about that in probably 2 o'clock hour. And especially if it's car theft by juveniles, if it's carjacking by juveniles, it's viewed as a joke, which is why you have this explosion. So if you're saying to me, okay, gee, I'd like to see car thieves, people you know who actually turn and steal the cars, I want to see them go to prison or go to jail for a longer period of time, I'm all in favor of it. I have no problem with that at all. But again, car theft is viewed as sort of a, Eh, you know, we're not even going to pay that much attention to it. We've got bigger problems, which I think is an absolutely absurd thing. So I have no problem at all with toughening up the penalties for people who steal cars. But at the same time, there's lots of other people who are making this decision to drive. They're not driving stolen cars. They're driving because they, they just they don't want to be without their vehicle. They don't care that they don't have a license they obviously don't have insurance, so that law goes out the books as well. They don't have money to pay for the damages they're going to cause, and they're just cruising around, and they are a menace to the rest of us. And I'm just, I can't tell you how many cases I look at to talk about on the radio, and it's one after another. It's the same story. You know, somebody's injured because a person's fleeing from the cops or blows through a red light or whatever, and a lot of times the car is stolen. But a lot of times it's just they're driving. We don't know why it is exactly that they chose to run or that they did what they did. But there's no license. There's no valid license. There's no insurance. You know, at some point in time, don't we have a right to say enough is enough? And my answer would be yes, because the people that do this play the rest of us as chumps. Those of us who get automobile insurance and make sure our licenses are kept up to date and pay our fines. You know, we're the ones that are foolish because the system lets so many other people just do what they want without giving a rat's rump about it. 1228, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1236, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Let's see. Following a sweep by the Cleveland Indians in a short two-game interleague series, the Brewers travel to Philadelphia to face a tough but struggling Phillies team. Jeff and Lane are on the call. Our coverage starts 5.30 Friday, sponsored by Catholic Financial Life. This is really the first, well, the first rough patch the uh, Brewers hit was when they uh, had trouble playing the Chicago Cubs, and they're going through a slight one now. But, you know, I I don't know. They're playing good baseball. They just have to figure out a way to score some runs when they get the bases loaded and all. But uh, they have today off, and then uh, the first game of the Philadelphia series is Friday. You can hear it here. All right. Um, as I said in the, the tease to this segment, that the sound you heard yesterday, that thump, 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 was, figuratively speaking, Mayor Tom Barrett throwing the new police chief, Alfonso Morales, un- under the, the bus. Um, and, and, of course, Barrett's, Barrett's sort of taken the kind of potted plant approach to being the mayor. You have this, this story about how apparently um, we have been, we being the city of Milwaukee, the city of Milwaukee has been grossly derelict in taking care of the lead problem in the water. And the, the mayor's response is, I didn't know anything about it. I knew nothing about this. I was, I was deceived by the people at the board of health, the, the guy that ran it. Nobody told me anything. I had no way of knowing it was this, this bad. And that approach, the I know nothing approach is now kind of translating over to the Milwaukee Police Department when it comes to this whole Sterling Brown situation. Um, if you just been t- tuning in, everybody knows the story. Last, Winter, Sterling Brown illegally parked outside of an all-night Walgreens on 27th and National or whatever. Police officer rolls up, and then the whole thing completely and totally escalates. Instead of just giving him a ticket for illegal parking, there's a confrontation between the officer and between Bucks player Sterling Brown, at which point in time 
through a series of, I, I guess, misunderstandings, miscommunications, or just general goofiness, you have, uh, it seems like the whole police district shows up. You've got two sergeants. You've got seven or eight police officers all standing around for a situation which, at worst, is illegal. At best, it's illegal parking. At worst, it's, I don't know, maybe resisting arrest. And I don't even know that it rises to that level. But then you have you know Sterling Brown ultimately getting tased, and now there's additional footage of you know police officers standing on his leg and something. It's it's just it's a mess from the beginning to the end. And it was handled poorly in the beginning. You had the mayor decided to get involved in this, and he was reaching out and talking to the Bucks. Why he was doing that is just beyond me. And then you have, and we talked about this aspect before, if you wanted to discuss crisis management, the way the city of Milwaukee, and I include the mayor and the police chief and other members of the department, the way, if you were trying to figure out and do a, a primer on how not to handle a situation this would be it. Instead of simply disclosing everything, instead of simply saying, all right, we've accumulated the evidence, we're going to have a press conference, we're going to release the information that we have, and then we're going to detail this is what we found, this is what we've done to the officers that were involved in this, and this is what we're going to do to make it better. Instead of just getting it all out there at once, and showing it to the public, and showing it to elected officials. Instead of doing all that, and just making it a one- or two-day story, and then learning from it and move on, the city of Milwaukee, and it's it starts with, apparently, they decide that the public can't be trusted with this. So what they end up doing is they take some of the body camera footage, and they start selectively showing it to people in the Common Council, other people in the community, apparently members of the Bucks saw this as well. Instead of just disclosing the whole thing, you have an assistant police chief who goes to one of these neighborhood meetings and then starts talking about it, saying, oh, you know, we're going to need everybody's help because we've got this thing that's going to be released in a couple of days, it's going to make us look bad, which then ends up forcing their hand. Instead of just putting it all out there at once, being open, upfront, and transparent, they, they dribble this this stuff out. And you have the police chief who's unavailable for comment, and there's all this speculation. And you've got some reporters who are getting stuff leaked to them by members of the department. Um, the department probably violating open records laws because there's all these media outlets that have open records requests in, and somebody's picking and choosing what to release. So anyhow, instead of just getting this all out there at, at once and saying, this is it, it, it's been dribbling out and dribbling out. And then you have the story from, uh, and of course, Tom Barrett, you know, yesterday, his big comment is, well, I think the police chief is learning. <laughs> okay, well, I, I, I don't know. I didn't think, I didn't think being the chief of a major urban police department, I didn't think it was on the job training. I mean, I, I, I would thought, I would have thought that you hired people who were ready for prime time, but, but clearly we did. Well, here's the latest development. Apparently, Again, somebody in the police department leaks all sorts of other body camera video that had not been previously released, and he leaks it to you know one of the reporters at Channel 12. Who, whoever made this leak, I I don't know. All right, but there's all this stuff that's leaked that's funneled to somebody at Channel 12. God bless them. You know they got it. But but now you're in a situation where you have the mayor saying, "Homina, homina, homina." I didn't see this. You've got the police chief saying. I had no idea. I, I, police chief, I, 
I hadn't I hadn't seen this. I, I had no idea. I wasn't expecting any of this. This is his quotation. This is the police chief. I wasn't expecting any of this to come out. I didn't see half the videos either. I focused on the part with Sterling Brown, the tasing and arrest. Now, Milwaukee Alderman Russell Stamper says, um, okay, my first question would be, why, why did you not see the entire video? And Russell Stamper and I don't agree on too much of anything. But, my God, that's a very good question. <laughs> Given what's going on here, number one, how could you not have seen all the stuff that's there? How could you not have? That's number one. And number two, and this is, I guess, the point I want to get to, how could you impose discipline on anybody without seeing all the information that was available? And if you didn't know that this was available, why not? I mean, this, and for the mayor to say the police chief is learning, well, I, I, I don't know. It seems like he's got a huge learning curve. Now, I don't know this guy one way from, I don't know the, the police chief from Adam. I, I don't. But how can you impose discipline without seeing all the information? How can you allow stuff to be made public without you knowing about it? And the big question is, why, why, why didn't you know about this? You really wonder what's going on at MPD. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I will tell you, again, I don't, I don't have an issue with the discipline that, that was imposed earlier. But at the same time, if, if I'm anybody, whether it's the aldermen or whether it's the people representing the police officers, I'm saying, wait a second, you know, you were doing this. What kind of, you know, half butt investigation did you conduct? that you don't know that you had all this film evidence around there and you didn't look at it. Let's start with Dave in Milwaukee. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Morning, Jeff. How are you? Good. What do you think? Um, Well, the mayor certainly has not handled it the way I would have handled it, probably the way you would have handled it. But I think this really falls on the police chief. He could not have bungled this any worse. I mean, as you said, this happened four or five months ago. Not like it happened last Tuesday. Right. He's had months and months and months to review the video and you as a prosecutor it would be like you going off half cocked and charging somebody in your former life having only seen one part of uh, right. the evidence only seen one part of the discovery but based on this 10 percent or 20 percent that i saw i'm going to charge the person or i'm not going to charge the person right he is in completely over his head he held a news conference you know if you want to call it that where he didn't take questions now this week he reveals well i didn't see that part which might be the important part Right, and I didn't even know it existed, and I don't know how this got released. I mean, how can how can well, you do this? He's completely, he's completely incompetent either way. If he reviewed it and didn't know it was important, then he's lying. Or if he actually this is there, he has no control over his department whatsoever. If to say what you want about Ed Flynn, he had lots of problems. But I guarantee you, he would have reviewed the video inside of 24 to 48 hours. All of it. Yeah, but he can't handle his job. I don't think he can handle the job. No, no thanks for calling. For the mayor, and the mayor's line as well. He, he's he's learning. Well, okay. Again, like I was saying earlier, number one, I, I, I don't know. To be the police chief in an urban police department is is it really like on the job training that you, you have here? And and look, he, I, I don't know Alfonso Morales. I, I don't. I've never met him. Might be a nicest nice guy in the world. But you want to talk about not ready for prime time and completely in over his head. This was a, a situation 
that needed to be handled appropriately from the beginning. And the way they've handled this has made Milwaukee a national laughing stock as it continues to go on and on. And and again, yesterday's developments or two days ago's developments, it's just it's mind boggling when I'm reading in the statement saying, well, yes, there was all this body camera footage. And I didn't. I, number one, I don't know how it got leaked. And number two, I'd never seen it before. How can you not have seen this stuff before? Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Uh, my thought. My, my thought is that Tom Barrett's been playing this I don't know what's going on card too often. Right. With the lead poisoning and with the uh, police, uh, with the uh, stirring, uh, you know, the, the uh, act, you know. Right. Uh, arrest and everything. And uh, that's my thought. He's played the I don't know what's going on, and I think that he should be outed, and Bob Donovan should be put in as interim mayor. <laughs> well, I mean, th- thanks for calling. I mean, people had an election and they decided, but you're, you're right, Mike. The. The, the, the mayor's fallback point is, I, I didn't know. I had no idea that these people who worked for me in the health department weren't doing what they're supposed to do with regard to the, with, with regard to, you know, the lead poison. I'm, I'm just shocked that all this stuff is going on. Look, the, the, and here's the other thing with, with regard to the Sterling Brown thing. Keep in mind, the mayor had his fingers in this from the beginning. After this situation, within, what, 24, certainly 48 hours, the mayor is talking to the president of the Bucks. Remember, he, and, and the mayor is out there doing these, this kind of song and dance. And I, as I said at the time, some of the things he was saying didn't make any sense to me. It, it just didn't. But, you know, he, he's been in the midst of this. And, you know, he said he hadn't seen body camera footage. Now, I don't know if that meant that people in his office hadn't or whatever. But it, it's, again, it's a complete and total mess, and it's an embarrassment. And then for the chief of police to come out and say, I had no idea this stuff was out there. I imposed discipline without seeing the whole thing. I just concentrated on the immediate arrest. Well, wait, you, you've got a, you've got a 30 minute confrontation or something like this. How can you impose discipline? How can you decide without looking at all this that some people need to be counseled as opposed to suspended? Or, I mean, the, the flip side, maybe you look at this and say, you know what? Now that I see the whole context of this, I, I think the punishment of this person was too harsh or it was too light or, or whatever. I mean, I, it's just saying that you've never seen all this stuff until yesterday, again, makes you wonder, are there people in the department that are trying to sabotage him? Is he incompetent? And where does this whole thing come down? And that's that is a huge issue that's out there way beyond the Sterling Daniels thing. And like I say, going back earlier, I, I don't, you know, Russell Stamper and I don't see things eye to eye on many issues, but Stamper, I mean, he asks the $64,000 question. How did you not see the entire video? Which would seem to be a pretty simple thing that's there. Just saying. It's 1249. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1253, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The festival season kicks off in Milwaukee this week. For Pride Fest organizers, safety is always top of mind. Gene Miller has the details. Be sure to tune in. 621 tomorrow on Wisconsin's Morning News. Big story number three. Well, the speculation is over. Melania Trump is back. I like Melania Trump. And I, I think I think a lot of the, the criticism that she has received has been brutal and it's been unfair. But she's been out of sight for about the last four weeks. And, of course, this she, she had a minor medical situation. They haven't disclosed all the issues, but some, some kidney conditions. She apparently had some form of surgery. And she's been out of the public eye for the last several weeks. 
Okay, no surprise. You would think she had, you know, again, she had a medical condition. Not surprised about that. Well, you, you have over the last month, it has been a guessing game, particularly in liberal media, about what's going on. And there's been things like, um, well, she's she she's getting ready to die. To um, she's recovering from a facelift. To she's left President uh, Trump. To you know he he beat her. There, there was actually one one guy in the media tweets out something about how well she, she's probably laying low because maybe he beat her up. I mean this stuff. She she hasn't been in the public eye for a month. I think it's probably pretty apparent what was going on there. She had this medical procedure and. She she just didn't want to be seen out in public while she was recovering from that. She wanted to be 100%. You can understand that. You would have never had that type of speculation during the Obama years, for example. Can you imagine if Michelle Obama had, again, had some medical procedure done and, and she was just off the radar screen for two or three weeks? Can you imagine anybody suggesting, well... That she must have left Barack, or maybe she's hiding because he beat her. Can you imagine if somebody suggested something like that? I mean, there would be screams of racist and racism and intolerance and all this, but yet because it, it's Donald Trump, that this is what, again, becomes the new normal. Now, I, I understand that President Trump generates a lot of controversy, and I understand that he brings a lot of this stuff on himself, but it does make your head want to explode when you kind of see these double standards. Melania Trump is, I, I think, a very, very attractive. I think she's a really smart woman. Some people might disagree. Oh, how do you know that? Well, she speaks a whole bunch of languages and all. Um, I'm, I'm lucky to speak one. Okay, I, I have a lot of respect for her. I don't know that she signed up to be the first lady. I'm sure she's in a kind of difficult situation. And I understand that being married to President Trump probably has its challenges. I, I get it. But at the same time, you have some medical procedure that you undergo, and then for the next month, you've got people who should know better, not reporting facts, but speculating on all these different things. Well, maybe this means the marriage is on the rocks. Maybe it means she was hit. All this crazy sort of stuff. Well, anyhow, Melania is back. I, I guess the Melania watch can now end, and it doesn't appear that there was anything more to this than what was obvious from the beginning, Namely, that she had a little bit of a medical procedure going on, and she was recovering and didn't want to go out in public till she was recovered from it. Oh, stop the presses. It's 1256. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 108, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, don't go anywhere, Eric. PG-13 warning. PG-13 warning. You know, come back in a couple minutes if you, you know, are driving around the car and you've got those little pictures with the big ears, because they're... There is a topic that I want to discuss, but for the first couple minutes, the lead-in in it it is a little bit PG-13. And no, this isn't Stormy Daniels bringing her Make America whatever tour to Milwaukee. That was my first question. No, 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 no. (laughs) We're we're past the whole Stormy Daniels story. All right. Now, um, I am a bit older than you. I, I remember. I remember before people had cell phones. I mean, I remember when... There were things like phone booths, oh, yeah. and you know, if if you were at the airport and you had a layover, you'd be running and you'd have your like phone card and you'd be you know punching the buttons in the payphone mm-hmm. and phone booths and all that type of stuff. And then the first sort of generation where you'd have these 
these phones that you could put in your car and you'd plug them in yeah. with the cigarette charger, yep, you know, yep. the, the big pouches, right? And, and, of course, you know, that started. And then you had the, the cell phones that you'd carry around, but they were the big honking things, yeah. you know. Do you ever watch the movie Wall Street with Kurt Douglas? Oh, sure, with yeah. Kurt, uh, right, with Michael you, Douglas. Yep, 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 you know, yep. and he's playing this Gordon Gecko, and he, he's got he's standing <laughs> on the beach with this giant thing. You know, I mean, it's just... It's a great movie, but it looks dated just yeah, because of that. Dated, He's yeah. got, and that was the the fancy thing that the you know the the billionaire is carrying along this big thing. And now we've evolved to cell phones, and everybody has a cell phone, mm-hmm. and nobody goes anywhere without their cell phone, right? True. Yes. All right. There is a new study that's out. You haven't seen this, I don't. I was telling people about this this morning, but I don't think I saw you. So okay, there's a new study out. It's done by a place called SureCall, a manufacturer of cellular signal boosters. And they're doing the survey of people. Um, all right. Of the respondents, what percentage of respondents would you guess admitted to checking their phones while at the toilet slash urinal? I'm going to say, hmm, how high can I go? I want to say more than 50%. You'd say more than 50 um, Drew, do you want to play? Yeah. My our producer Gru says it's got to be in the 80s. Maybe not that high, but it's definitely more than 50%. 69% yeah. of respondents admitted to checking their phones while at the toilet mm-hmm. urinal. And among those who admitted to doing it, 59%, so that's 59% of the 69%, said they do it on a regular, on a daily basis. I believe that. The urinal, now, come on, like that seems unnecessary. But I believe it if you're sitting down. I, can I, you, you guys, uh, my, my producer is shaking his head too. I got to tell you, there's never been a phone call that's been that important. Well, who I, said anything about phone calls, Jeff? You mean like checking, like, oh my gosh. I mean, you mean, yeah. No one's actually on the phone. It doesn't take me, anybody. it doesn't, it doesn't, checking the news, it doesn't take, no. Okay. Have you I, ever read a magazine? I, or a book? I, or newspapers. Yeah, I do not take <laughs> I do not take my cell phone into the toilet. And I certainly if I'm at the urinal, I No, I'll agree with you there. Urinal never. I don't I don't see the need to do that. All right. Okay. So that's that's I'm not there that long. <laughs> okay, that's that's their number. All right. Now here's the one that I found that was incredibly interesting. And this is again, this is my PG thirteen uh warning. All right. Here we go. They asked people all right, do you check your cell phone during sex? <laughs> All right. What percentage of, I feel like we're playing family feud here, what percentage of people do you think said yes, they check their cell phones during sex? 30. Gru says 40. <laughs> Eric says 30. <laughs> No, the the number actually it's ten percent. Ah. It, no, it's 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 only ten. Now now see and, and all right. Here, here's my general reaction to that. If you're checking your cell phone during sex, somebody's doing something wrong. <laughs> I mean, that's a, somebody yeah, somebody is doing something wrong there. If you're checking it, but no, they estimated ten. But but maybe you guys are right. Maybe twenty or thirty percent of people are just kind of lying about this whole thing. Yeah. But yeah. but this does, and there is a larger point that I wanted to make with this. But other than those those numbers there. It does. It it is true that that cell phones have now become ubiquitous. I mean, Eric, have you ever like left? You know, you leave your cell phone at home or something, and you. Oh, you, it's the worst feeling in the world. Yeah, you, you feel naked without it. Yeah, I mean, you're just right. Even if you're just 
running to the grocery yeah, store yeah. or something, it's like, my God, what has happened to this cell phone? This is a, and, and what's interesting to me is this is a complete evolution. Cause like I say, not really that long ago, there, there weren't cell phones uh, or the cell phones, again, the, the things that you have in the car were so expensive that it priced a lot of people out mm-hmm. there. So it was not uncommon for people to, I don't know, run to the grocery store and run to the submarine sandwich store and whatever and, and not be in touch. But now you feel absolutely naked if you don't have that cell phone. Absolutely true. You're absolutely right. And at least if you believe the survey, one out of every 10 people say that that cell phone is so important <laughs> that they have to check it during their most intimate moments. I bet they feel naked, huh? <laughs> That's Eric Bilstad <laughs> at WTMJ.com. All right. For, but, but there is this larger point here. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Are we too attached to our cell phones? And I guess I I see this all the time with people when, when you go. One of the rules that my wife and I have when we go out to dinner is we're not on our cell phones. We, we're, you know, we, we don't get enough chances to go out, just the two of us as it begins with. So, I mean, you're not going to sit there for the whole dinner and, you know, be talking on your cell phone. Now, I understand every once in a while there's going to be an emergency that comes up and you've got to take that call or you've got to respond to the text message. But I will tell you, I go out to dinner on a regular basis, and I would say particularly with younger people, but it's not necessarily that limited to that. And you look around and everybody's on the darn cell phone. I think many times they don't even realize they're on it. You know, you just, it's, right. it's, it's just so natural. automatic. It's, yep. You're not yep. talking to people, you're there, you're, and all you're doing is, is interacting. I, I understand that occasionally there's going to be that important call that comes in, um, in which case if I'm expecting that kind of important call, maybe there's some things I'm just not going to launch into. I'm not important enough to get phone calls that I need to answer while I'm at the urinal. I, I'm, just, I'm just not. Um, but 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line, are we overly tied in? Has this technology, which keeps us connected all the time, has it really gone too far? 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're back to discuss in just a moment. We've got a lot of great calls on the line already. 116, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Catch up on today's headlines with John. Less than a week before the planned U.S.-North Korean summit, what are the concerns on Capitol Hill? We discuss at 3.20 this afternoon. Wisconsin's Afternoon News with John McCure on WTMJ. All right, let me talk a little bit about MyPillow. I have been telling you about the MyPillow brand pillow for several months now. Truth is, I was not sleeping well. My fiancé, now my wife, said, try MyPillow, the MyPillow brand pillow. She's been using it for a couple years. It was really a game changer. I don't know what it is about the pillow. I don't know if it's the stuff they put in it. I don't know if it's the way it contours around my neck. I don't know. All I know is I sleep better and I don't wake up with this pain in my neck that I used to have. Um, it, it's really amazing how much difference a good pillow can make. Plus, my pillow is 100% machine washable and dryable. It comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. So if you try it, you don't like it, you really have nothing to lose. Look, you could get, you should get one, or actually get a couple. I'll even save you some money. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the two-pack special, type in the promo code WAGNER, and you can get two premium MyPillows for one low price plus free shipping. If you want to do it the old-fashioned way, call their 800 number, 800-953-4163. Use the promo code WAGNER to get this great offer. Bottom line is the only thing you have to lose is another sleepless night, and who needs another sleepless night? 
didn't expect to get to this point. You thought you'd live together forever, but here you are realizing that one of you has different needs than the other. What do you do? Start by calling Village Point Commons Senior Living in Grafton. At Village Point Commons, we have multiple care options to meet the diverse needs that people sometimes have. Oftentimes, one spouse is completely independent, while the other needs 24-hour care. Or perhaps you've been caring for your loved one with dementia at home and now realize you can no longer care for them safely. A move to Village Point Commons can meet both of your needs while you still remain under the same roof. You didn't plan on this day coming, but we did. Call us today and our caring staff will meet with you to determine the next steps. Call 262-240-0872. And you can find us online at villagepointcommons.com. Senior Communities, they're my friends and it's my home. 118, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Molly in Oconomowoc. Hi, Molly. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. Um, of course, we are far too connected, uh, and we are just relying on our cell phones for everything. I mean, gosh, I can't think of a, the last time I went out to dinner and we were discussing something and we didn't know the answer. You pick up your phone, and right away you've got to get the answer, and you've right. got the means to get the answer. Right. But I think um, uh, just a bigger picture, I own my own business, and that presents a unique challenge because I use my phone for both personal and business. But I do get people that will email me and text me well after 9 o'clock in the evening. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure they know that I'm looking at it because I have kids and, you know, you keep your phone next to you. And so that, to me, just from a business owner standpoint, gets very, very invasive. But it's difficult for me to separate the two because I have one device that does both. Well, right. And and, and I, my guess is some of the people that are texting you for business expect there's going to be a response. Well, of course. I mean, of course she's going to answer. So it's 1130 on a Friday or a Saturday night. Of course she's going to answer this. Yes. And typically I will not answer those because if I do, then I'm reinforcing the behavior of text me anytime and I will be available. Right. So, yep. Yeah, no. I really try to keep the division there, but it's very tough. And there are some days when I forget my cell phone at home if I'm running errands, and I actually feel a sense of relief and a little bit of freedom. Oh, really? Well, you know, I mean, th- th- I mean, I think people, I'm, seriously, I think it would be better for everybody's mental health if every once in a while you had the cell phone-free day. I mean, back back before there were before we had cell phones, when I was practicing law, I used to have this sort of internal rule that I, I wouldn't answer the phone after 3.30 on a Friday afternoon because my experience was people are rarely calling you up at 4 o'clock on a Friday to tell you you're doing a great job. Normally, it is a problem. In most cases, it's a problem that you're really not going to be able to deal with till Monday. But if you know about it, it's going to ruin your weekend. So it's kind of like, all right, well, you know, I'll, I'll deal with it on Monday. Well, nowadays, I think in many businesses, you're right, that the client, you know, expects you to be available 24-7. Gee, it's 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm texting. Why isn't that person responding? But but it is the bigger, I mean, it is the bigger point. Have we gotten to this point in our society where you're, you're going into the bathroom and you've got to take the, the phone with you, not to mention the more intimate moments as well? 414-799-1620. Jeff in Pewaukee. Hi, Jeff. Hey, how you doing? Good. I just wanted to make a note that I have ridden uh, motorcycles most of my life, and I recently got rid of mine just because of that reason, that there are too many distracted drivers. It was number one. Yes. Too many times I looked over and someone's driving and looking and weaving over towards me, and I thought, this isn't the way I'm going to go out, so I got rid of it. <laughs> well, well, yeah, because you want to be paying attention. No, it, and it's... 
and you know you have all these campaigns and of course it's illegal to text and drive but i mean it's it's just beyond that i mean i i guess maybe i'm just not that important jeff um but i just sometimes sometimes they're dialing their phone though so they're not always texting they might be actually making a phone call but it's a distraction much like if they were drinking it uh, really is. Uh, no, thanks. Well, right, you, you're taking your eyes off the road. There, there's no question about it. Okay, here's a text. You anti-phone people make me crazy. Right, now let me stop there. I'm going to read the rest of it. But when did I become anti-phone? I'm not anti-phone. I have cell phones. I appreciate using the cell phones. It helps me keep in touch. I think they are great innovations. If it means that I'm anti-phone because I don't take it into the toilet and I don't check it during sex, okay, then call me anti-phone. I don't think that necessarily makes you anti-phone, but all right. You anti-phone people make me crazy. The only way you accumulate any time to go out to dinner is by using technology to free up time. Well, no, you, you use here, – here's, here's the thing. But So then the idea is – Okay, I freed up this time to go out to dinner, and then I'm going to sit on dinner, I'm going to sit at dinner, and I'm going to obsess on using the phone. I'm not going to talk to the people I'm with. It seems like it's kind of this vicious circle that's out there. Anti-phone. Give me a break. Russ in Lake Geneva. Rush on WTMJ. Hello. Jeff, you're an anti-phone. I, <laughs> yeah, that's know, it. That's it. <laughs> a little Seinfeld thing for you. You know, I, I'm a chef in Geneva, and we have, uh, we have to go to a serve stage program every other year. And what do you think has the most bacteria in a, in a kitchen? Uh, uh, I don't know, counters or what? The I don't phone. Know. Phone, really? Yeah. Because, huh? because they say so many people take their phones to the bathroom with them. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, no. I and you and you put the phone down and stuff on the counters and all, and you don't wash your phone. You wash your hair. You wipe. You wash your hands. You wipe down the counters, but you're not going to wipe down that phone as most mostly. I, huh? I've never seen anybody do it, and you know some I. I'm ashamed to say it. You know, if I'm if I leave for work and I'm ten minutes gone and I forgot my phone, I go back and get it. I, but you know, this conversation is going to make me change that. So I, I <laughs> well, appreciate it. Well, no, thank, thanks for calling. I mean, again, and I, I'm not anti-phone. I appreciate it. it's this wonderful thing, and it it does. I mean, I will tell you, it it happens to me from time to time as well. Now, I, I'm I, I'm in a little different situation than maybe you are in that. I mean, I, I understand for a lot of people that phone is the lifeblood to their their job. Now, you know, in my case, I mean, yeah, it's a it is a convenience, but I'm not getting critical phone calls about the job. I'm not getting clients that are calling up as a general rule. I mean, my job show up and you know show up whatever time I show up at nine o'clock in the morning and you know, do the radio show, you know, prepare for it the night before, all that type of stuff. But I understand there's other people that, you know, use the phone as a working thing, like one of our first callers was talking about. But at the same time, I, I think in general, we're just so tied to this, these things and this technology that you can't break away. And I will tell you, when I sit at, a, for example, at dinner and I, I'm watching, you know, everybody at a table that's, you know, on their cell phone, they're not all working. They're, they, they're just not. These aren't all critical calls. These aren't emergency calls. It's just here. We're checking to see, you know, what the emails that came in on or, you know, we're, you know, trying to keep up with the latest piece of news or whatever instead of concentrating on the people around you. It, it is, it's where we are now in our society. Um, but at the same time, I guess I, maybe this could be Wagner's rule of life, like 12.5. You know, if, if you feel the need, to either take your cell phone into the toilet with you or um, have it with you and check it during intimate moments. Maybe you need to reassess your life. I'm just saying. 
It's 125. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 128, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, the world's largest music festival, is right around the corner, and WTMJ wants to send you there all this week during Sports Central. Greg Matzik will be giving away four packs to the big gig. Even if you don't win, don't forget to come see us at the Gruber Law Office's Sports Zone. Um, I will be there broadcasting most of the weekdays. I've got a vacation day crammed in there somewhere, but most of the weekdays, um, I will be down at Summerfest. Um, we will be broadcasting live throughout the entire run of the festival. Always a lot of fun. All right, yesterday, as long as we're talking about restrooms, yesterday, the ever-politically-correct Milwaukee Bucks announced that the new arena is going to have, all right, it's going to have the traditional men's restrooms, and it's going to have the traditional women's restrooms, but then because the Bucks are nothing if they are not politically correct, there are also going to be gender-neutral bathrooms. Uh, this is the way they explain it. When the arena opens in a couple of months, those in search of a bathroom will find an option they might not be familiar with. All gender bathrooms. Now, these aren't like family bathrooms, you know, where you take the kids. These are uh, gender neutral. Will accompany dozens of men's and women's restaurants, restrooms. And so the, the plan is that um, each gender neutral restroom will have just one stall. And the ever-politically correct Milwaukee Bucks ownership saying the only way this arena is going to be successful is if people coming here feel like they're having the greatest experience of their lives. So we're going to offer gender-neutral bathrooms. All right, now now you might you might be surprised at my reaction to this because as far as I'm concerned, I say bring it on because because here's here's why. There's no, I, I think, criteria or limitation on, on who gets to use it. And even though, trust me, my, my gender identity is very clear, if if it's one of those deals where there's a big old line to get into the men's room, like at halftime, and there's nobody getting ready to use the one-stall gender-neutral bathroom, I'm in that line. <laughs> I mean, it just it's kind of like... That's okay if they want to offer this other option that's there. And, I mean, I'm assuming that men and women um, can, in fact, use that, that there's no particular criteria. So if this is another option that might have less of a line, I say bring it on. Now, again, if they're going to have to be some sort of, like, photo ID or some way they check it, maybe it's a different concern. But I don't think so. I think it's going to be available to anybody. So when you see that long line at the... um, I don't know, at the men's room during halftime and you want to get back and start of the third quarter, maybe this is another option that's out there. So I applaud the Bucks for not only being politically correct, as they always are, but also, I don't know, maybe making my experience at the Bucks games a tad better. Just saying. 135, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, more than one million French citizens quit smoking. How did they do it? And could it happen here? John McCure and Melissa Barclay explore at 420 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Now, Gru, who's producing the show today and always, kind of an eclectic program today. You, you will go home tonight, and Mrs. Gru will say, what did Jeff talk about on the program? Did he talk about the latest developments in the Russia investigation? And you'll say, no, he was talking about, he, he was talking about taking your cell phones into bathroom stalls and things like that. But that's what makes the program fun and interesting. You never know what you are going to get. All right. This NFL anthem thing, it's an issue that just the players now are refusing to let it go away. Now, I understand that it's become a political football and that President Trump 
was using it as a way to, I don't know, uh, I, I think he feels that he is on the winning side of this issue, as I do, by the way, as well. He was bringing pressure on the NFL owners, and the the whole standing for the national anthem thing has now been resolved by a new rule that the NFL has put in place. It is a rule that I think they should have had in place about two years ago, which says you don't have to stand for the national anthem if you don't want to. But if you are out on the field before the games, if you're on the sidelines, they expect you to stand. And I think in their compromise is you don't have to come out, but you know if you come out, you've got to stand. I, I think that's a reasonable uh, compromise to this whole thing. And I think it's something that they should have put in place a long time ago. My reasoning behind this has always been if NFL players on their own time want to protest, that's cool. Go with God. Go go do it. But they're not on their own time. When they're in uniform and when they're on the sidelines, they're, they're on the clock. They're on their employer's clock, at which point in time I, I think their employer has the right to tell them you know, whether they're going to allow them to engage in protests or not about social issues or whatever. So they've implemented this policy that, to me, is a reasonable compromise. Well, all right, some players don't think so. So there's a story in the Journal Sentinel. They go out and they, they interview a couple Packers players. Uh, Devontae Adams, who is the receiver. And by the way, the Packers did not kneel or anything like that. The Packers... Their show of solidarity was they would stand during the national anthem. They would link arms. I don't have any problem with that at all. But this is what Devontae Adams says to this new policy. He says he believes the NFL has joined Trump in twisting what protesting players are trying to achieve. You can't find somebody for a peaceful protest, Adams said. We're not out here holding signs saying we don't care about the troops or we don't care about the country or whatever. It's a peaceful protest. And it's something as simple as people just expressing themselves and how they wanted to do it. It brought light to a situation, but at the same time, it's headed in a negative direction with people getting in trouble for it now. Um, the story continues. Um, Adams would have preferred players retain the same options as they had last season. I'm not too excited that it's a punishable offense now. It is what it is. I feel like it's tough to have an opinion on this stuff because it all got kind of lost in translation over time anyways. The whole point of it in the beginning was the anthem was used as a vehicle to protest inequality, and somehow it got twisted into the fact that athletes don't have an appreciation for the armed forces or the people that protect the country. It has nothing to do with that. It was made clear. People still ignored. It's a free country. I feel like you shouldn't be punished over something like that. I don't know if it's a money issue with the league or whatever, but at the end of the day, it is what it is. People will make their decisions and see how everything um, pans out. Veteran quarterback Tremont Williams, who has not protested the fact in the past, says he doesn't believe that allowing players to stay inside the locker room is much of a compromise. Who wants to stay inside? If you're fighting for something, staying inside is not going to really solve the issue. Okay, well, my response would be, whatever you want to protest, you know, go with God. You, know, you have a right to protest. But when you are on your employer's dime, when you are on the clock, when the only reason the TV cameras are focused on you is because you're on the NFL sideline in the Packer uniform or the Cleveland Brown uniform or whatever, then I think your employer has every right to say, okay, this is what acceptable behavior is going to be. 
right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Just one segment on this, because this issue refuses to go away, in part because the players refuse to let it go away. I think the NFL has come up with a reasonable compromise. If you're going to be on the sidelines, you stand. If you don't want to stand, fine, don't come out until after the national anthem. No problem. And, of course, if you want to protest, well, well, that, that's fine. You have all sorts of opportunities to protest. You know, if you're a Green Bay Packer and you want to protest, go, go to Miller Park. Okay, go to Miller Park and don't do what the announcer Rob Edwards asked you to do. Don't stand. Don't remove your hat during the national anthem. You can do it. Just do it on your own time. And it's not a problem. But I really think employers have every right to say, you know, this is going to be the behavior. And no, and we're not going to tolerate social behavior, social protest on our dime. We're not saying that you can't engage in social protest. Schedule a press conference. Show up outside City Hall. Do whatever you want to do. But when you're on the job, we expect you to stand. And I tell you, I think the vast majority of America is there in large part because sports are an escape for most people. And when somebody turns on the NFL game, you turn on the TV um, and you're listening to it on the radio to hear Wayne and Larry. When you turn on the TV, you, you want to you want escape. You want that escape. You don't want that social protest that's thrown in your face. All right. It is. And I think a business has a right to do that. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Mike in Pleasant Prairie. Hi, Mike. You're in WTMJ. How you doing? Good. You hit, you hit it spot on as far as I'm concerned. The employer has has a right to make their rules and their definitions of what's right and wrong. And if they can't abide by them, look for another profession. I'm sorry. Right. And, and see, and what the NFL is doing is I, I think – they are going out of their way as far as a compromise. They're not saying, you know, if, if you don't feel comfortable standing for the national anthem or whatever, that's fine. We're not going to make you do it, but we're not going to also give you the vehicle, allow you to use our games to stage your protest. Stay in the locker room and then come out and play the game. I think it's a perfect compompromise. Absolutely. It's, their, it's their, their choice at that point to do what they want. So right. giving them the option. Uh, the employer is doing the correct thing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, you're right. I support them 100. Yeah, I do too. I mean, th- thanks for calling. I mean, and I understand. You know, I, I get it. It's all been politicized because you know President Trump has. I think he saw a winning issue. But I mean, I don't fault the NFL for this. The NFL realized that it had a public relations nightmare on its hands because on the one hand, you've got you know the the, the players who are agitating. You know, we want to be able to do this. We want to be able to do that. On the other hand, you know, the NFL is concerned about its bottom line, which is, you know, we, we want people buying the merchandise. We want people showing up at the games. And we want people, we want those eyeballs that are watching the game. And, you know, we, we don't want to alienate gratuitously the, this huge chunk of the fan base who, again, is watching the football game because they want to break from the stuff that they get 24-7 involving, you know, people with protest issues or things like that. 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Tom in Germantown. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, yeah, I, I haven't watched since it started. I have not watched football for two years. Really? Um, it, it's that, yes, there is not a single not a single game, not even any anything like that. And um, it just protest on your time. You're there to play the game. Leave the drama out of it, you know. Like if I, I drive tow truck, if I was to pull over the side of the road with a sign and start protesting for something, 
I believe him. I think my boss would warn me to stop doing that. And if I kept doing it, I think he would let me go. Yeah. Or, or, I mean, let me use, okay, I don't, I know uh, you drive a tow, do you have to, do you have a uniform that you have to wear or like a shirt identifying yourself or anything like that or no? Yeah, for safety and that stuff. We got safety stripes on it and everything. So yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess I was trying to think of if, let's say you work for, Sometimes, you know, there's kind of like a uniform you wear, like the company logo or whatever like that. If that's the rule, you you wear it. And if you decided, hey, I want to put patches on this, talking about the Equal Rights Amendment or Trump for president or impeach Trump or whatever, and your employer says, no, you know, know, you're on the job. If you want to wear that button or whatever, do it on your own time. God bless you, but not when I'm paying you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. I mean, see, that's – and again, that's why this is – this is the compromise. One of the things that drives me absolutely insane is the fact that, you know, we, we have people that, that just dig in on these different issues. You know, we were we were talking about the transgender bathroom thing. I've been arguing for years. The simple solution to that is, you know, for, for you know, the, the one transgender kid that's at the high school, um, all right, you, you designate a separate bathroom. You know, you, you designate the unisex bathroom. It makes the whole issue go away. But, you know, that's not good enough. Well, the NFL's compromise, to me, is a common-sense solution to the, the thing. Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Good. What do you think? I, I think, yeah, I think that it's perfectly, perfectly fine with them, you know, what they did. It, actually, they should, they should have done it earlier. Yes. It took on a life of its own. Yes. And once it starts gathering steam, then it just becomes more... Yeah, if they would have done this two years right ago, away. right, yeah. when, when Colin, I, I don't think there would have been much of an issue. You could have, you know, you, you kind of do it you quietly. You say, look, if, if you don't want to stand, that's fine, but you got to be in the locker room. But right, it, once this continues, yeah, exactly. And then yeah. once President Trump got into it, it we, we ratcheted this from an issue, a number well, one to yeah. a 10. I mean, yeah. You, you know, automatically once, you know, Trump right. you know, starts tweeting or whatever, it's going right. to automatically explode. Right. But I mean, the whole thing is, if you're running a if you're running a, a private company, and you want to implement a policy, yeah. you can implement it at any time. It doesn't have to be mid season. It doesn't be anything. It's like no, it, you know, this is it. Well, right, you know, and you know, one of the things that's so funny to me too, uh, you know, Dave, is that you know, people like the players. Some of the players will say, "Well, this is violating our First Amendment rights," and you want to say, "No, the First Amendment no. says government can't infringe your rights." You know, your right. employer, exactly. your employer can say rules. Yeah, and uh, and the whole thing is too is. First of all, there's no cohesive message. Right. I mean, there's a lot of different, you know, everybody kind of has different causes all of a yeah. As you say, cause to left. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, you know, whatever. It's like, you know, they use as a platform. Yeah, well, exactly. And, and, and employers have the right. I mean, thanks for the call. Employers have the right to, to limit it in the way they, they want. And I guess I just, I, if I were to advise the NFL players, I can. I think they are on the wrong side of public opinion on this issue. You know, maybe maybe ten years from now it'll turn out that you know they they end up being on the right side of history. I don't know, but right now they're on the wrong side of public. Uh, I, they're on the wrong side of public opinion. And if I were the players, my advice would be shut up and play the game. And again, if you don't want to come out and you don't want to stand for the anthem, fine. Don't stand for the anthem. That's okay. If you want to, you know. Use your fame and your celebrity and your money to get yourself involved in whatever social cause you want to get yourself involved in. Fine, there, there's no problem. You've got a long off season to do that. You've got all sorts of time to go do that, and you can go do whatever you want as long as you're not breaking the law. Just you know that that's where this is. So 
I, I don't think this issue is going to go away anytime soon. And I, I do think it's important to note that the, the Packers, they were not a team that had this issue come up. And I think, obviously, this is one where I, I appreciate the owners are in this balancing act because you've got the players who you know don't want to be told what they can and cannot do versus the NFL, which recognizes it's got a major league public relations crisis on its hands with the protesting players. Now, if you listen to the folks on ESPN, well, okay, it's the NFL that's the bad guy. But the truth is ESPN and some of the commentators and some of the people that write for some of the national publications, um, they, they don't really, I think, have their hand or their finger on the pulse of mainstream America. 148, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 152, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So Samantha B still has her show on TBS. Yesterday was the first show that aired after the um, problem involving the, the use of a word, which I still can't believe TBS allowed to go out on the air. I, I just, I can't. She comes out to start the show and gives sort of a, a half-butt apology. Hi, I'm Samantha B. You know, a lot of people were offended and angry that I used an epithet to describe the president's daughter last week. It is a word I have used on the show many times trying to reclaim it. This time I used it as an insult. I crossed the line. I regret it. I do apologize for that. The problem is, and then she goes on, that many people have been called that at the worst time of their lives. A lot of them don't want that word reclaimed. They want it gone. I don't want to inflict any more pain on them. I want this show to be challenging, and I want it to be honest, but I never intended to hurt anyone except Ted Cruz. Many men were also offended by my use of the word. I do not care about that. I hate that this distracted from more important issues. I hate that I did something to contribute to the nightmare of the 24-hour news cycles that we're all white-knuckling through. I should have known that a potty-mouthed insult would be inherently more interesting to them than juvenile immigration policy. I would do anything to help those kids. I hate that this distracted them from that, and I am also sorry. So it's kind of this, again, this half-butt sort of apology um, where I just – I'm. I'm sorry I used that because it distracted from the the larger message that I want to to take. Um, Interestingly enough, a bunch of national sponsors responded by by pulling their ads. As a matter of fact, um, there were only a handful of national advertisers on the show. PlayStation, um, the upcoming Epix, that's a cable TV channel, series Deep State, and some ads for Oceans 8 and Jurassic World. Um, other than that, apparently no national advertisers were part of the show. There was a heavy dose of TBS promos for a number of their different shows. So uh, obviously they're hoping to put this behind them. Here, here's, I mean, first of all, the free market's going to decide. And, and ultimately the advertisers are going to decide whether or not they want to be part of, of this program. And th- that that will ultimately determine, you know, where this ends up going. But but here's the, the bigger point, and I admit I can't get past this. If you want to understand the double standard, that this is it. If a conservative commentator slash comedian had used that word in reference to Michelle Obama, in reference to Chelsea Clinton. In reference, I think, to any liberal politician, their career would be over. TBS would not be standing behind them. There's just some lines that you don't cross. The flip side, though, is apparently because it's a liberal comedian, there are apparently different rules. 
and because Samantha B has this higher calling, and because, well, I, I don't know, she knows more than the great unwashed, and because the standards don't apply to her, I mean, she, she says this, these words. And I guess it's the double standard. Do I care whether TBS stands by her or not? not? Not really, except the fact that there is the double standard that's out there. You can get away with things if you are on one side of the aisle, you can't get away with things if you are on the other side of the aisle. And you will never convince me, for example, if TBS had a show with Dennis Miller, who is a conservative, and Dennis Miller used that word in reference to, I don't know, some female, Dennis Miller would never be on TBS again. Dennis Miller would probably not ever be on TV again. But Samantha B, at least as far as TBS is concerned, she will continue to have her show unless and until sponsors decide they're going to walk because she's too much of a hot potato. Time will tell. 156, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 207. This is Jeff Wagner. So, Melissa, you think this is a, a relatively new phenomenon, what we were talking about off the air? Yeah, the eighth, the graduations of eighth grade. Maybe it's not new, but I just, when I was growing up, it wasn't a thing. Okay, during... All right, no, we, we got different generations. Did you? See, during, <laughs> during the break, Melissa mm-hmm. asked me, you know, you got any fun plans for the weekend? I said, well, um, Friday, my, my wife's granddaughter, my, my granddaughter, Gracie, very, very proud. She's, she's graduated from eighth grade. She goes to high school next year. She's delight, she is a de- absolutely delightful young woman, um, really, really bright. And it just uh, we're, everybody's very, very proud of her. And so there is tomorrow night, there is an eighth grade graduation ceremony. And, and it, it's actually, it's going to be kind of fun because um, her other set of grandparents who, you know, Nancy and Jim, they live in the Green Bay area. They're coming down. I, I like them a lot. And we're going to go to wherever this is, and we're going to go to the thing, and then we're all going to go out to dinner afterwards. I'm, I'm actually it's quite, fun. it is, I'm quite looking forward to this, but, um, I just wondered when all of these eighth grade or even kindergarten graduations. Well, let's stick with eighth grade because yeah. I was thinking back because, I mean, when I graduated from, from eighth grade, it was Glen Hills Middle School and Glendale went on to Nicolay. There weren't graduation parties or anything. I think there was a sigh of relief from my parents that I'd gotten through <laughs> eighth grade, you know. Right. And, then I, and then I think there was a sigh of relief from the teachers that he's gotten through eighth grade. Now he's going to be Nicolay High School's problem. But there wasn't, you're right, there, there weren't these, these big parties. Mm-hmm. Now, you're a bit younger than me. You, when you graduated from eighth grade, parties or no? No parties. I don't know if I was just, I mean, I graduated in, or it was in Iowa. I was a different state. I didn't know if this was state to state or if it's... Okay. You know, more common, and maybe in the Midwest, or but it was just kind of like you, you're through eighth grade, you're on to high school. Great. There was no, yeah, it was just you're you're going to high school. Okay. <laughs> the next year. All right, Gru, who's producing the show, you're you're a little bit younger than both of us. Okay, did you have this big eighth grade whoop de doo when you got out? You didn't either. You're, un, it was just unnecessary. No, so no big ceremony, no graduation thing, huh? Okay. And again, your parents were probably like mine, just relieved that you had, okay, he's going on to high school. My gosh, okay. We're not, we're, all right, well, now, so somewhere in between then us, because I remember my niece, who just finished her first year at San Diego State, my, my brother's daughter, um, my goddaughter, she she graduated last year from Pewaukee High School. And in, in Pewaukee, they've got this interesting setup because, like, the grade school and the middle school and the high school are all in the same compound. Mm-hmm. So I, I, it was it was sort of interesting when I attended her graduation last year. Um, it was the same place the four years earlier that they had, like, the, the, eighth, grade the eighth grade graduation. Grade graduation. Yeah. And, um, and so it was a big deal. I, I can remember... 
that it was a big deal. Do so, they get a certificate? Yeah. Oh. Well, I think so. Yeah, they, and they call them up one by, yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, they, so they, it's literally a graduation. They, they, I That's mean, at least when it was Sydney's four years ago, yeah, they, they, they call them up, and it was one of those things that... Um, they don't have to wear gowns or anything, do they? No, but it, it, it's interesting you would ask that, Melissa, because it's... I, it, it's the difference between boys and girls. It's that I, th- these were eighth graders. And, and actually, I think you could say the same thing was true about the high school graduation. But the, okay, so like eighth graders with that, that's like a 14 stuff. Mm-hmm. The, the girls would come dressed to the nines. I mean, just decked out. And uh, I, you know, my my late wife would we, we she, on the way home she'd say did you see what some of those girls were wearing I mean because they 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 looked like fourteen going on like twenty five and I'd say no I didn't notice <laughs> you know but with the big heels and stuff and the boys all looked like they're eight years old you know like they're they, wearing they, jeans right, and t shirts exactly you know it was just, <laughs> yeah. it was like this this complete contrast but so somewhere interesting so somewhere all right one segment four I am intrigued four one four seven nine nine one six twenty that is the Acunet mortgage talk and text line now don't get me wrong I, I am not criticizing this eighth grade graduation like I say seriously I'm I'm looking forward to tomorrow night I think it's going to be a lot of fun and so I and I I'm just very very proud of my granddaughter to doing this but somewhere along the line this did, in fact, change, and, and graduating from eighth grade became a big deal. Now, I was talking to somebody the other day who said, well, um, you, Jeff, you went to public schools, and I did. Um, they were telling me that when they graduated from parochial school, where there wasn't like necessarily a high school or everybody was splitting up, that it was a bigger deal. You know, if you went through the grade school and parochial school, um, it, it was a bigger deal. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Okay, is has this been a phenomena for the the long time? It, it, and I'm not arguing. I think it's excessive. Like I say, I, I think you know we're all really proud of her, and I'm and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but it's just, is this a new phenomena? Is is it excessive to have eighth grade graduations? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Heidi in Waukesha. Hi, Heidi. You're on WTMJ. Hi. Um, I think it is more common for Catholic schools. Right. The, um, where there's not necessarily the high school that you're going to autumn. Everybody's going to be splitting up and maybe going to different schools, for exactly. example. Exactly. Because I graduated from eighth grade in 82, and so that was quite a while ago. <laughs> and that, but, I, but it was a Catholic grade school that I went to. Mm-hmm. And my daughter just graduated from a, a Catholic grade school last week. Okay, and and they had the big ceremony and stuff. Yeah, they had a big ceremony, and then they had a big dance and uh-huh. afterwards for the kids. And it was in the it was in the gym of the school, so right. it was nothing like fancy or anything. Right, but it was in fact no thanks. Well, and see, and I guess I in, on the one level I I understand because with the parochial school, with, okay, if if you were. For example, okay, I graduated from Glen Hills Middle School. First year, the Glen Hills was open, and, and every and 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 most of the kids are are going. You know, the, the, it's a feeder to Nicolay, so you're going to really you're going to be going to school with all the same kids that you went to school with. You know, through the, the other years. I, on one hand, I guess for the parochial schools where it, it ends at it ends at eighth grade, and then some kids are going to be going to the public schools. Some kids will be split out. Some might go to Pius, or you know, others go to Mes. Whatever. I, maybe it makes more sense. And again, I'm not criticizing this. Again, I'm looking forward to it. But is is this is this a relatively recent phenomena? Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Susan in Whitewater. Hi, Susan. You're on WTMJ. Hi. I don't think it's relatively recent because I graduated from eighth grade in nineteen seventy four. Okay. From Holy Redeemer, okay. and it was always a big deal, and all the girls 
they did have gowns. My mother made my gown, and there was no boy there in a pair of jeans. <laughs> okay, this this is yeah, this is 1974. At, at but again, you were at a parochial school, not a public school. That is correct. Hmm. Yeah. It's, so I, I think therein lies the difference. Um, well, it could be. No, I mean, th- thanks. It, it it could very well be, and it, it just it it, it 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 does always strike me though that, and that's because I. A lot of my female friends always tell me, well, girls mature quicker. You know? <laughs> and I think there might be something like that. But it, I noticed that actually at Sydney's graduation as well, like a year ago, the high school graduation. I mean, the girls all come and they're just decked to the, out to the nines and they've got, you know, the, the fancy dresses and the heels and all that. And the, the boys, it, it's blue jeans or it's shorts or whatever. 414-799-1620. Leanne in Oak Creek. Hi, Leanne. You're on WTMJ. Yes. Hi. Hi. I graduated, had a big eighth grade graduation back in 1965 and most of my relatives and all my family and everything we always had eighth grade graduations that was something that always happened and we had a party um we did not wear caps and gowns okay we would dress up and for the girls it was the first time you wore high heels (laughs) (laughs) just to get you ready for for whatever was going to come in high school or something huh Yes, so yeah. yeah, well, that, that's cool. I mean, thanks. For, I mean, again, it, 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 I, I do appreciate that it's kind of a, in some respects, it's sort of a, a rite of passage. Um, let's see, Jeff. What I here's a text. What I find really odd is my daughter goes to a public school, grades six through twelve, and they have an eighth grade graduation. Yeah, even though it's going to be the the same uh, school. Let's talk to uh, Steve and Gurney. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Yes. Hey. Good afternoon. I see. Um, well, I graduated in, from a public school in 1991, and we had, you know, cap gowns and everything. It was like a high school graduation. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and my daughter just graduated this uh, last year at public school, and they're still doing the, the, you know, cap and gowns. The girls wear like a white gown, and the the, the boys wear a red gown. So it's just like going to high school. Mm-hmm. Well, and again, it, it's I, I have no issue with it one way or another. I, I think it's kind of cool, um, you know, but it is... It is, you know, now sometimes, you know, you have the graduations from, you know, like fourth grade and things like that. At some point in time, I think I kind of draw the line. But I guess if, if you want if you want to celebrate, you know, making it through, you know, getting get eighth grade and, you know, going on to that different stage of your life, I think that's cool enough. I don't have a problem with it. Yeah, and we're going to an eighth grade graduation party on Saturday. So oh, yeah. Parties and everything. Do you, uh, do you, bring, you bring a gift, I assume, huh? Well, yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's my nephew. So. Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. No, th- that no. Thanks. Well, clearly, I mean, that's you know, you you know, you 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 bring a gift as well. I, I but I am. I I was feeling. I, I guess I was kind of feeling left out because there wasn't. You know, when I got out of eighth grade, it was just thank God he's out of eighth grade. You know, he's he's moving on. Kimberly in West Bend. Kimberly, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Yeah. Hi. Hi, Kimberly. Yeah. So I I am probably of the era that um, you are. <laughs> <in> that- <laughs> I, right. I graduated in the early 70s, okay. but it was from a Catholic grade school in Milwaukee, and some a bunch of parents got together, and they rented a little wedding hall above a bar, <laughs> <laughs> and so all of the graduates were invited, and they had uh, music, and they had punch, and all the kids got to go for a couple hours after the ceremony, and celebrate together and uh, it, it was great but it, and the parents got to go downstairs to the bar while the kids were upstairs with it with the punch or something huh there you go uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah there were no cap and gowns but the girls 
and even the boys, they wore like khaki pants with button-down shirts, and then the gals wore, you know, dresses with back then, you know, pantyhose and right. um, yeah. But we, we, you know, I think it's odd now that you say that that we did have some kind of party for eighth grade, mm-hmm. you know, graduation. But I think that must have been, you know, like a plan among some of the parents. Right, that they did it as opposed to a yeah. school sponsor. No, this right. is, I mean, the thing I'm going to tomorrow night, again, I'm, it, and it's no different than the thing I went to for my friend, my niece five years ago. I mean, it, it's a it's a big deal, and they, they have tickets, and there's only so many tickets that each, you know, family gets. I, I ended up making the cut, so I figure I must be doing something okay. Because right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I ended up, I got a ticket, you know, so I think they, they must like me. I get to go along with this. Now, thanks for the call. I mean, again, it's just a lot of fun. 221, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 224, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Fun program today. Enjoying it quite a bit. Hope you are as well. I, some people are really into cutting grass and maintaining the exterior of their home. Some people, and, and you know who you are, just just look forward to getting out. You find it therapeutic to cut grass. You like to put down the mulch. You like to plant the flowers. You like to plant the shrubs, and you take great pride in that. I understand that. I did not get that gene. <laughs> that, that's just not, that, that, isn't, that isn't me. And I, I remember years ago when I first had, had my house in Whitefish Bay, that um, I would I would like cut the lawn, and what would inevitably happen back then? I was working like sixty or seventy hours a week on a regular basis, you know, practicing law. And what would happen is I, I played golf on Sundays, and you know you get home late, and even though it wasn't that big a yard, I did not enjoy the, the maintenance. And what would happen is if it rained on Saturdays, which is when I'd cut the lawn. You know, I really wouldn't get a chance to do it on Sundays. And next thing you know, the grass is growing and the house looks disheveled. I, I just, it wasn't something that gave me a lot of pleasure. So long time ago, I, I recognized that I was fortunate enough to have enough money to hire somebody to come in and cut the grass and tend the flower beds. That, to me, was one of the things saying, okay, well, you know, you're working hard. This isn't something you like to do. And by the way, I don't fault people. I get it. I understand that there's lots of people who just enjoy it. I just don't happen to be one of them. Matter of fact, yesterday I ran into the guy who for year decades you know took care of our house just ran into him at a place and had a very nice conversation now I, I live in a condo and somebody else takes care of it i just i write that check every month and it's it's well worth it but, but i because i know how quickly again stuff could get out of control and I, I always remember that especially you know during like may and june when it would rain and next thing you know the grass is like growing and it's almost kind of like out of control and and you're sort of busy um, and of course, you you know, I never wanted to be that guy on the block that everybody looked at and said, "Oh, there's the house that looks like it's an abandoned house." So there there is this kind of fine line. I bring this up because West Dallas, West Dallas, has just changed their rules. Tuesday night, the the Common Council voted to shorten the window of time that homeowners have to take care of their lawns. Here's the rule. If grass reaches six inches or higher and somebody complains about it, the city will then immediately notify the homeowner. So if your grass hits six inches, you haven't cut it, and somebody complains, you get a notification. Before the rule change, a homeowner had five days to take care of it. Under the new rules, they only have three 
Um, we aim for about once a week, says somebody in West Dallas. We don't really enjoy doing it. She said her neighbor's grass has never bothered her before unless it makes the home look abandoned. One city alderman said someone in his district received a $1,500 bill last year from the city for not cutting the lawn. And they're hoping the rule changes will encourage people to get it done sooner. Alderman says everyone around here keeps it pretty nice, um, but occasionally, you know, people screw up. And also sometimes there's like the vacant properties and the landlords um, let them let them go. But the city is working on imposing these rules, saying, you know, we we want to improve our image and we want the place to look nice. And so if you don't cut your grass on a regular basis and you let it get to six inches or longer, you know, you're going to get a notice. And if you don't take care of it right away, we're going to do it and we're going to charge you a boatload of money for it. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is West Dallas going too far? Is this a reasonable thing? Your grass is six inches long. You got three days to cut it or else we'll do it and charge you. Is that trying to turn West Dallas into a Stepford community, you know, where everything looks alike and everything's pleasant? If you want to let your grass grow, should you be able to do that? 414-799-1620. We discuss next. Stick around. It's 229. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay, under a rule that they just passed this week in West Dallas, if you let your grass get to six inches or higher and somebody complains, you have three days to cut it. If you don't, if you're on vacation or something, well, what's going to happen is they're going to come out, they're going to cut it for you, and then they're going to bill you. Um, somebody apparently last year got $1,500 in billings. The change is you only have three days to take care of it, not five. All right, is this overkill? 414-799-1620. If you want to let your grass grow, should you be able to do it? We're going to discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please sort of on and we'll make sure I have enough time to talk to you. First, though, it is 231 from the WTMJ Breaking News Center. Here's Melissa Barkley. Thank you, Jeff. Well, law enforcement believe the man responsible for a manhunt in Waukesha County could be on his way to La Crosse and Minnesota in a stolen BMW. Sheriff's Office believes Jonathan Pogriba stole a white four-door 2015 BMW. It has Wisconsin license plates. If you do see this vehicle, you're supposed to call 911. E. coli is being blamed for two recent gorilla deaths at the Milwaukee County Zoo. The results from a necropsy show both Cassius and Naku were suffering from gastrointestinal infections. The infections likely came from E. coli in the gorilla exhibit water system. President Trump's attorney, Rudy Giuliani, says Stormy Daniels' claim that she had sex with Trump in 2006 is not credible because she's a porn actress with no reputation. Giuliani says he does not respect a porn star the way he respects a career woman or a woman of substance. Time for a WTMJ Drake and Associates market update. The Dow is up 74 points to 25 to 20. NASDAQ is down 54 to 76.34. S&P 500 down three points to 27.69. WTMJ PellaWI.com. Time saver traffic. One small delay out there. I-43 northbound, downtown to Good Hope Road. About a two-minute delay. You're looking at a 10-minute ride. 94 inbound from Highway 16 to the zoo. 10 minutes there. Zoo to downtown, 7. Also, 45 southbound from Highway Q to the zoo interchange. We're looking at 15 minutes. Good Hope Road to the zoo. 
Uh, we're looking at 10 minutes and 94 inbound from Layton Avenue to the Market Interchange, 7 minutes. Traffic is sponsored by Brett Ochtenhagen Seasonal Services. From Lake Michigan to Lake Geneva, Brett Ochtenhagen Seasonal Services is here to help with all your landscaping needs. Call 262-392-3444 or online at seasonalservices.com. The WTMJ 5-Day Forecast, mostly sunny, beautiful out there today. High 72 by the lake, 78 inland. For tonight, increasing clouds, low 55. Tomorrow, mostly cloudy, might see some rain. A high 68 by the lake, 73 inland. For Saturday, partly cloudy, high 70. Sunday, mostly sunny, 71. And Monday, partly cloudy, chance for a thunderstorm late in the day and a high 80. Right now in Oak Creek, it is 64. Germantown, 72. And in Milwaukee, we are steady at 59 degrees. I'm Melissa Barclay, News Radio, WTMJ. And I'm Jeff Wagner. Here's the larger issue, really. It's if you don't want to cut your grass, should you have a right to not cut your grass? I mean, in West Dallas, they say if the grass gets to be six inches long, um, we're going to give you three days' notice. If you don't cut it, we're cutting you for it. We're cutting it for you. Should you have a right to not cut your grass if you don't want to cut your grass? We have the conversation next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 236, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I'll tell you where I come down this in just a couple minutes, but I'm, I am curious in the response. If you're just tuning in, West Dallas has this ordinance that they just modified on Tuesday. It says that if your grass gets to be six inches high and somebody complains, you will have three days to have it cut. And if you don't, they'll come out and they'll cut it and they'll charge you however much they end up charging you for this. To which my question was, what if you don't want to cut your grass? What what if you decide, hey, I you know, I... I, I don't want to cut my grass. I don't like to cut my grass. I own the property. It doesn't bother me. No, should you have a right to do that? Does the community have a right to say, you know, we, we, you know, you've got to cut your grass, uh, assuming that there's no, you know, health issue that they're going to be able to demonstrate? Is, is long grass, is that different than, I don't know, people, there's lots of communities that say you can't have, like junky cars in the front lawn or whatever because, you know, they don't want the place to look like a junkyard. But if you want to let your grass grow, should you be able to do that? Sandy in West Dallas. Sandy, your neck of the woods. Hello. Hello. What do you think? Well, I'll tell you, uh, I, 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 I agree with you. I, I think people should have a right to either have holographs if they want to, if it's not bothering anybody. Uh, I also think that the city has a much greater problem than grass. Uh, the city of West Dallas is being overrun by rats. Uh, the problem is getting worse and worse every year. The rats are running up and down my alley. Uh, the city, I have talked to the health department, I have talked to city officials. The city will not do anything about the rat problem because it's not in their budget. We ask that the city bait the sewers at least in our alley, because the rats are running up and down the alley. You've got rats running through the alleys in West Dallas? Yes. Yuck. Yes, we do. <laughs> and I I was forced to hire Batsner last year. I paid $500 to have Batsner come into my property because there were some rat holes. Ooh. <laughs> uh, so now all of the holes are gone. However... I have neighbors on one side, neighbors on the other side, so they move from my property down the way. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you. Thanks for calling. Ooh. So Gru says we that's we 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 had other calls off the air saying West Dallas cares about six inch grass, but there's rats that are running in through the community. Huh. 
Uh, let's see. Here's the thing. The city of West Dallas doesn't even take care of their own city sites. Some parts are up to two, almost three feet tall. It's a case of do as I say, not as I do. I wish I could find the city for their overgrown places. Um, if you're going to impose this on homeowners, you would think that you'd make sure that, you know, your grass, see, six inches, that, that does, I, I mean, a foot or two, I understand. Six inches, you can get six inch grass in, you know, in two weeks, can't you? You know, if it's if it's you know if it's rainy and stuff. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Again, I haven't. I'll tell you where I come down on this in just a second. Mike in Sheboygan. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hey, how are you? I'm well, thank um, you. Yeah. Don't tell I, me you got rats in Sheboygan too. No, we don't. <laughs> no, we no, we don't at all. Um, I mean, we live in a decent neighborhood. We live on the northeast side by the lake, and um, I just had a foreclosure across from my house. I finally got bought. And they took care of their lawn. The guy walked on the property, but, you know, the bank cut the lawn when it was going through the foreclosure. And the first thing that people did when they moved in was cut the lawn. Right. You know, I mean, it's no different than making the foreclosure cross street camp their house by July 1st. It's no different than having people have to take care of their snow. I'm going on vacation Tuesday. I'm cutting my lawn on Monday. I mean, so I'll be home before six inches. It's not. It's right. called taking care of your house when people. You well, know, what if somebody just decides, "Hey, I, I, I'd like the look," or I have, um, I, you know, I, I've got other things to do with my time. Should they have a right okay. to, to well, do that? Yeah, in Sheboygan, you can get a little sign on your yard, which is kind of like sending in to uh, have your dog be a, a guide dog for you. You know, from the internet, you can get a little sign on your yard that says that your your yard is a wildlife sanctuary, and then the city will leave you alone. Okay, interesting. Because that, see, that's no, no. I see. I look. I, I, I appreciate. I mean, I'm one of these guys, and over the years, we've had heated discussions about this. I, I think that I, that there's a balancing between a property owner's rights and the rights of of neighbors. I mean, I, I'm one of these people that supports ordinances that says, you know, you can't have a washing machine and you know a, an old junk car and a couple old TV sets sitting in your front lawn because it, it's it. You know, you could be a shade tree mechanic if you want, but it affects your neighbor's property value. Now, the question becomes, you know, where do you draw the line on that? Do you draw it with, like, grass that's six inches long? I mean, because, um, again, there's some neighborhoods that people, they like that prairie lawn effect that, to me, looks like crap. But that's just me. And I, I understand that people have these prairie lawns. A lot of times they actually put a lot more effort into it than just kind of like cutting the grass. But where where do you, in fact, draw the line? Or if you just decide... Hey, I don't, I don't want to paint my house, or I, I don't want to cut the grass on a regular basis. Should you have the right to do that, Tom in Hartford? Tom, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Tom. Uh, I, uh, I like the ordinance about cutting the grass. I think if you buy a home and you have the responsibility of taking care of that home, I sure wouldn't want to live next to the person that has a six-inch lawn uh, uh, grass or and uh, mm-hmm. dandelions with that. I, yeah. I, I would, I'd probably go to jail because I'd have an output. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm fussy with my yard. It doesn't take long to cut a grass, especially if you're in West Dallas. There are small properties. I just moved away from three-quarters of an acre that I cut for 40 years. Yeah. Did you, no do you problem. like do you like to do it, Tom? Were you one of those guys that enjoyed cutting grass? I did grass? like to do it, yeah. but now I just moved into a condo out in Hartford, and I'm through. I'm up there near 80 <laughs> years old. Yeah, well, so, uh, believe me, I, I think, I mean, I, I, I like the idea that, you know, you come home and the grass is well kept. Okay, here's a note from Mike. Mike says, my grass is about three inches tall after being cut. To penalize someone if it is six inches is nuts. Uh, but going beyond that, you're degrading the neighborhood and hurting property values. It, it hurts uh, more than you might think. I guess that that's kind of it. Six inches does seem, 
seemed to be relatively small to me to start imposing these type of fines. Um, I do think it is also interesting, and that would have been one of the questions I had. And, and, and I mean, I, I guess I, I think at some point in time it's reasonable to have one of these ordinances. But at the same time, for city properties, if the city properties, as a starting point, if they allow the grass to grow on their lots beyond like a foot or two or three feet, it, it would seem to me that uh, maybe you should be sending the mowers out to take care of that before you start going out to the, the long, younger ones. Six inches seems to me to be a, a bit quick to pull the plug on this. Um, and, and I do think, I mean, people do kind of have a right. Is that, are you not maintaining your house if you allow the grass to grow six inches? I think the six-inch rule is probably a little bit overly restrictive. At the same time, I mean, I do appreciate that you want to have the neighborhoods, you know, not looking like there's eyesores. Six inches strikes me to be a little quick, and three days' notice strikes me to be a little quick as well. Um, if I were in West Dallas, I would start, if it is true, that you had city properties that have grass that's a couple feet long, I would start with that. And going back to our first caller, if it really is true that they've got rats running through the alleys, I'd start with that before I worried about the grass. But that's just me. It's 244. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. An ordinance in general, yeah, this one sounds to me like it might be a little bit... A little bit overly aggressive, but, you know, having to maintain your property, I don't think it's that hard to do it. It's 245. Stick around. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 248, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I've learned something during today's program. West Dallas, overrun with rats. I There's all these stories. I, I mean, I did not know. I'm looking at one of these things. Um, okay, site rat sightings from 68th Street to the eastern city limits jumped from one or two calls on an infrequent basis back in 2010. They had 127 in 2013. And apparently, I'm looking at all these different stories. The nice women, people complaining about like rats and stuff. Well, I'm, I'm all in favor of keeping your grass cut short, but maybe you want to deal with the rats. West Dallas is doing this big, hey, they're trying to rebrand their image and things like that. My advice would be start by taking care of the rats. Hire the Pied Piper or something like that. Ooh. Rats. Yuck. All right. This, if you want to understand how screwed up the, the court system is, you know, Fox 6 had this story. The, the headline is, he didn't care. Woman 70 run over by her own vehicle after teens stole her keys sped away. Wauwatosa, 70-year-old woman was run over with her own car after teenagers stole the vehicle from her. Police had to use stop sticks because the vehicle was allegedly speeding down streets at 100 miles an hour. It happened in February. It's still causing the woman pain. They go out, they interview this woman. She says she was knocked to the ground in her employer's parking lot. Teenagers grabbed her purse and car keys, got into her Buick Encore, then backed up and over her. So she's carjacked, and then she's knocked to the ground, and then they drive over her. Uh, The lady says, he put his foot to the gas. He just came back over me. The driver hit Lenora's shoulder and side. It happened February 18th near 74th and North in Wauwatosa. She didn't see her car again until later that night from her hospital bed as she watched the news. She's in the hospital going, oh, my God, that's my car. Wauwatosa police said the vehicle was taken by a group of teenagers, all 15 or 16. It was spotted by police near 75th and Burleigh. The driver sped away. Reaching speeds of nearly 100 miles an hour, the chase spanned 13 miles, lasted 16 minutes until stop sticks were deployed at 76th and Silver Spring. So they steal this woman's car, drive over her, 
lead the cops on a high-speed chase. She was in the hospital for three days, is still in physical therapy. The teenagers also used her vehicle in a purse-snatching incident in a grocery store parking lot in Wauwatosa. Investigators say the suspects drove off with a 30-year-old woman's purse. Uh, she held on to it. She was dragged 15 feet until she finally let go. 15 and 16-year-old kids, they've run over one woman. They've jacked, they've carjacked, they've stolen a purse from another woman. They've high-speed chase. All right, three of the suspects were arrested at the crash scene. The fourth ran but was apprehended. Okay, so this is like Fox 6 is doing an update. Um, Here's the deal. Three of them, three of them will be tried in juvenile court. Uh, The fourth will be tried as an adult. Presumably the guy that drove over her will be tried as an adult. But the other three, 15 or 16, are going to be in juvenile court, which means which means their names will not be made public, which means that any punishment um, will not be made public, which means that anything that happens, you know, worst-case scenario, worst-case scenario, depending on what their criminal records are, you know, maybe maybe they get sent to Lincoln Hills or something like that, but probably unlikely. But the general public isn't going to know what happened. Here's the bottom line of this. If you have four people, 15 and 16, who by that point in time in their lives have no disrespect, no respect for anybody, are willing to drive a car over a 70-year-old woman and then leave her for dead, flee at speeds exceeding 100 miles an hour from the police, and, and they don't care about it, they shouldn't be treated as juveniles. They should be publicly identified. Everybody in the community should know who they are, they should be brought into adult court. They should be named publicly. And if convicted, they should all be doing jail time. Period. Case closed. But yet this is another example of how, particularly in Milwaukee County, we slap the wrists of juvenile offenders. We let them do horrible, horrible things. And then we do not hold them accountable. And then we wonder why more kids go out and do the same things. We wonder why so many cars are being stolen. We wonder why this is a game. We wonder why kids are out there running from the police. Sometimes they hurt themselves in the as they run. Other times they hurt other people. And we wonder why all this happens. Well, it happens because we treat these kids like they are kids instead of treating them like they are criminals and holding them accountable. And it's sooner, sooner or later, what's going to happen is the public is so far ahead of the court system and the legislators on this issue, the public, I think, are genuinely upset and irate that you have a quote-unquote juvenile justice system that is nothing more than a breeding ground for young criminals and a catch-and-release system for dangerous criminals. Sooner or later, the legislators and the judges and the assistant DAs are going to catch up on that. But the question becomes... How many more people are going to be victimized before that happens? 254, when we come back, we'll find out what John and Melissa have on their minds. Please stick around. This is Jeff Wagner.